when you are a widow, people want to put you in this box. Mm -hmm. And everyone is so different. God has different things for us, and we're going to deal with things differently. And it's just so important just to remember that it's okay to deal with it the way you deal with it, Mm -hmm. that that's okay, that you don't have to be me or that other person. Um, and, And just to remember that you don't have to, you don't have to be this perfectly amazing Christian and just act like you're not going through something. Welcome to Let's Walk It Out, a podcast devoted to sharing the faithfulness of God during the most heartbreaking and challenging times of people's lives. Our time together will be real. You may hear kids playing, ugly crying, or snorts from laughter. I guarantee that you will feel encouraged and inspired by what God is doing in the lives of everyday people. I'm your host, Melina Brocht. Together, let's walk out this journey we call Life in Christ. Thanks for joining us on Walk It Out. I'm your host, Melina Brock. Today is the part two of a two-part series with Buffy Martin and her testimony of um, beginning life again after loss, um, as well as just overcoming adversity with Christ. Um, in last week's episode, we talked about um, kind of how the Lord brought Buffy's dream man um, into the picture and brought so much healing in her life and in her heart. Uh, through the relationship and just kind of the Cinderella story that came through with it. Um, But then tragically um, we talked about just what life looked like when that Cinderella story ended in death. Um, And now we're going to just kind of talk about what God did in her life after Jean's passing. So welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having um, me. So last week's episode was, oh my gosh, <laughs> I'm still recovering from it. Um, and uh, I'm just, I'm just amazed, you know, um, because I was kind of with you not long after uh, Jean had passed. Um, yes. I was her hairstylist <laughs> yes. for a while. Um, I'd show up to her house with my little bag and, you know, <laughs> just get all the kids in a row and just start cutting. And, um, so we had a lot of conversations, you know, and there was some really even just strange similarities and like just connections with her story. Um, you know, Travis and I's testimony is very similar to Jean and yours testimony. Yes. I was the girl from the other side of the tracks <laughs> and, you know, um, he was the, you know, kid that had been prophesied over, you're going to do all these things. And, you know, um, every girl wanted to be with them. And, um, and like somehow the Lord found me worthy, you know, to, um, be with him. And, um, you know, because of how, how similar our stories were, you know, when I found out that Jean was sick, that really hit me hard. Um, because I, I was talking like, about that with you. Yes. Um, it was, it was such a, a check for me, you know, like, Lord, you know, like if I lost Travis, what would happen? You know, um, because, you know, for me personally, um, because I didn't have much security growing up and Travis never really did without, um, emotionally, physically, relationally, had a very healthy family, knew the Lord, strong Christian family. Um, I clung to that so deeply, even just to a point of changing myself to make sure I never lost that right. um, with rejection from his family or whatever. And um, I had a lot of conversations with God to kind of work that out <laughs> and you know, make sure I was still being myself and genuine because that's who we fell in love with, you know. And um, and so when I found out that Gene was sick and then he also died, you know, not just that he was sick, but that he actually ended up passing, you know, that was um, a moment for me of like, Lord, where were you? You know, right. and I wasn't even the one married to him. Right. You know, and I'm over here on the outside just watching and I'm like, Lord, what the heck? You know, this story, amazing story. They have a beautiful family. You know, like if that can happen to her, that can happen to me. Would you let that happen to me? And uh, almost just like, and there was a while there. I was just in like this kind of dry season with the Lord. of just like, 
why aren't you talking to me right now? You know, I don't, I can't feel, I feel like I can't hear you right now. Um, so I had a lot of searching, um, because of your story. Um, and I didn't even know all the details. I just had the short Facebook highlights, <laughs> right. you know? Um, and then I found out that he died on my husband's birthday. And that was even more of a like, Lord, are you trying to tell me something? Are you trying to <laughs> warn me? Like, am, you know, and, um, so, you know, I think it was about maybe eight or nine months, maybe after he had died, um, you were over at our house and, we yes. had, you know, um, and you were kind of talking to me about, you know, your own questioning and your own like processing of this grief and even just being okay with being in grief, you know, and mourning and going through that process. And I think as Christians, we, um, especially if you're like word of faith or things like that. Um, yes. People want to tell you that if your faith is strong enough, that it's not going to hurt or that you're going to yeah. be okay. Right. And that's not, that's not true. Yes. Or even just, you know, like feeling afraid or feeling like you have to, to isolate yourself, um, and how you're truly feeling because then it's words have power and then you're speaking negativity and you're speaking these things instead of speaking the word or the words of faith and um, while he was sick, but also even after he's passed, you know, and so like not even being able to, um, as you know, we know now in research, talk therapy is so important because if it stays, it needs to get out of the body somehow. Yes, um, it does. Or it shows up even in physical ailments or something. It has to get out. It has to. It's going to blow dead. up if you try to yeah. keep it in. Absolutely. And I'm sure you've had that experience. <laughs> multiple times. Yes. Multiple times. Um, so let's kind of talk about um, the aftermath. Um, what happened in the days leading or even just, you know, 30 minutes after he had passed. Are you calling kids? Are you, you know, um, are other people doing things for you? Kind of what, what's, what does it look like? Well, my brother-in-law, Thomas, had actually taken me to the hospital. We followed um, behind the ambulance. They would not let me go with him. And we were stuck waiting in the waiting room, which was one of the most awful moments of my life. And uh, they came out and got me and brought me and Thomas and his wife was there, Tiffany, at that point um, to a little room and told me that they weren't able to save him. <laughs> kind of just felt like my whole world crashed in on me. I just remember living in this moment of just denial and you've got to be wrong. <laughs> Um, they took me back into the room to see him and, uh, I don't know. It was kind of like I'd gotten my happily ever after and someone added a chapter I didn't want. <laughs> um, several people from our church had came up to pray with me and my mother-in-law and father-in-law came I had to call my father-in-law in Missouri and tell him about it. Um, and after the initial <laughs> fallout, I kind of was just skating through again, just going through the motions. My kids were still with Heather. They were at her house and, um, she told me to go ahead and come over. I didn't want to go back home where he had died and be there by myself. And I uh, wound up going to her house and sat there and cried all night until I finally fell asleep. The next morning, my oldest, Caden, asked me where daddy was. <laughs> I had to tell him that he died and went to be with Jesus. It's one of the hardest things I've ever done, having to tell my six beautiful babies that daddy wasn't ever going to come home. And 
kind of just built on my anger and my resentment with God. I had to do that. Why would you let that happen? Having to explain to my kids that after everything that happened, after all the times we prayed together and had hope that that God was going to heal daddy, that it didn't work, that it didn't happen, um, was uh, so awful. Um, just to see their little hearts break. It was, uh, it was just very hard as a mother to know that what I was telling them was causing this pain. Um, and, and their ages, they were all so young. It was, how old were they? Um, Caden was seven. So the rest of them were much younger than that. Um, Violet and Xavier were still toddlers and uh, they didn't even understand dad being sick. They didn't understand all the medicine and him losing weight and all of the things that I had to do. I had to drain his stomach two to three times a day all of this, they just didn't understand. And then just to hear that dad just wasn't going to come home anymore. Um, it, it caused a lot of problems. All of them had nightmares and, um, lots of, uh, emotional outbursts. Um, I, uh, tried to, <laughs> go to our church after the funeral and um, people was, don't know what to say no, no it, was, it was hard it was so hard and it was our place mm -hmm. but he wasn't there and our home was our place and he wasn't there our room my bed <laughs> was our place and he wasn't there and it was so hard for me I dealt with a lot of depression but I was still on my plan mode so I got us into a grief share class and after two times of going to church and winding up going to the bathroom and crying for the rest of service I was speaking with Heather and telling her I, I knew we needed to be in church but I just couldn't go there and she said well come to our church and the kids had been going there for quite a while and knew the pastor there and, and Heather so, is Pastor Jen's daughter daughter-in-law yes daughter-in-law and so we started attending Destiny as what was left of our family and going through the grief share class um, which I can say, I think that definitely helped. I, I can't imagine where I would have been if we hadn't gone through that class. Um, so many people mean well. They mean well. But they say horrible, awful things when you're going through um, the loss of someone you love. I had people asking me the month after my husband died if I was going to get married again. That kind of set my back up. And um, you're like, I'm still married. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. You know, and uh, I just had decided I was going to live my life for my children, eventually my grandchildren, and just try to make it through. Um, I was so mad at God. We went to church because I knew that disconnect between how you feel and what you know. I knew my kids needed God. I knew I needed God, but I didn't want to. So I would go to church and drop them off and then go to service and usually wind up crying through most of it, seeing all these people together. I remember one service, there was a couple, a younger couple and the husband um, had jeans built and they had a little baby and just seeing that in front of me just blew me out of the water <laughs> it was um 
it was pretty nonstop. Um, we lived in the house that Jean died in for six months to go through the probate process. And I just kept sinking deeper and deeper into this depression. Um, I made little changes where I could. That was so important, making those little changes. So if it weren't the way it used to be, rearranging the furniture, putting up new curtains. I got my hair cut. Thank you. <laughs> she chopped it all off. Yes. It was, it was wonderful. Cut. It was beautiful. Um, those were some things that I learned in my grief share class. And they were very helpful, but it was still just a Band-Aid. Um, I met a very wonderful lady in our class and her daughter, and we're still wonderful friends. Um, I very much would say if you're if you're going through the loss of someone, it's so important to be around people who understand that. Um, so many people, once again, they mean well, but they don't realize that their words are so hurtful. Um, I would even remember friends that would say, you're doing so much better. And that seems so silly to say, but it hurts so badly that they couldn't see the black pit I was living in. Being a single mom to six kids was so hard. And I had many a screen match with God asking him, why? Why have you really loved me after my hard and horrible life? You gave me this beautiful thing and you took it back away. I kind of just lived in that place for, for a while, just going through the motions, doing what I knew I needed to, but not really entering in. Hi, friends. I wanted to take a quick break to say thank you for listening to the Let's Walk It Out podcast. This podcast is one of many resources I have been led to create in order to strengthen, comfort, and encourage the body of Christ with each other and their relationship with Christ. You can find all of my resources, such as weekly blog posts, encouraging content, YouTube videos, and much more at malanabrock.wordpress.com. Again, that is M-A-L-A-N-A-B-R-A-C-H-T dot wordpress.com. Now enjoy the rest of this episode. Um. We eventually wound up moving. I got a new home, and that helped a little because even though I missed him, it wasn't our home. So there was no memories there that just to pop up and hold me captive. And while we were there, um, being a single woman, uh, People take advantage of that. Little things started popping up wrong with the house and trying to do school with the kids and think about in the future, how am I going to support my family? Um, We were very blessed, like I shared in the last episode, that Jean was able to get a life insurance policy. And uh, we were going to be fine for quite a while. And I know a lot of people don't have that. I can see the blessing in that now, but at the time, all I could think about was my future and my little planner came out again. What are you going to do? How are you going to take care of these kids? You need to go back to school or you need to get a job. Well, you have no skills. You can't get a good job. And I just lived with these things day in and day out. I didn't sleep well. Night times were the hardest to go to bed alone to cry and to wish that someone would cuddle up to me and tell me it was going to be okay, but that person was gone. And I'd go through the motions. Um, The pastor at the church we were attending has um, a thing he calls Turn the Page. And it's just you read a page of the Bible, you jot down the date and write down something that happened that day. It just keeps you in the Word. And it was really hard for me to put any effort into anything. So I started doing this. And um, 
God just started speaking to me. I just knew that I, I couldn't, couldn't live this way forever. I was feeling like an awful mom. I didn't have a lot of support. Um, there was a few key members, but besides that, a lot of people were busy with their own lives or dealing with the loss in their own way. So it was often just me and the kids. And um, I was just so lonely. I started uh, almost right away, actually, after Gene died, I started writing to him in my journal. That helped me get all of my emotions out. I've always been a writer and helped me feel close to him. And um, goodness, I'm sorry. Um, Tell me, you know, you know, you're going through this process and knowing you, you're probably like, I have to be strong for the kids. Yes, I've got to yes. put on the front. You know, if they see mommy crying, then they're going to start crying. And, um, but you know, what was your heart through helping your children work through that grief? What was your heart behind that process? It's funny how when you look at someone else's situation, you can see how God can fix it and how he can put his life into it, but still somehow have that disconnect with yourself. I prayed so hard for them all the time. I knew that God could help them, that God could help them rise above this, not having their father, that the nightmares and the daddy-daughter dances and all of the things that he should have been there for that he wasn't that hurt them so deeply that God could make something out of it. And I I could see that and I knew that for them, but somehow I just kept this block up with myself. Um, My youngest daughter was very close to Jean. Um, He was her favorite person. And um, she had a lot of emotional issues. She was so young, she didn't know how to process. I didn't know how to process. And uh, every time she'd have a meltdown, it would just break my heart again. And I'd feel like I wasn't doing enough. I wasn't being enough. And uh, it was this vicious cycle that just kept making me feel like I wasn't enough for them. And the devil wanted to keep me there. Um, and it was, um, it was easy. It was easy and numb to just stay in this little hamster wheel and not step out where I could be hurt again. I remember conversations with you while doing your hair of, you know, cause I, I was one of those people who, I mean, it was a little later on, but I still asked, you know, like, are you wanting another relationship? Are you, yes. you know, um, like, is that something you wanted? And I think, you know, you were just kind of like, you had just connected with someone who wrote this book and you're like, well, it's not really a Christian book, but it's been kind of helping. And I was just talking about how um, you were just, I think you were content with just yes. being single. Yes. I remember the book. Um, <laughs> yes. What was the book? Um, it was, I think it was called Second Chances. I I just remember hating the book because it was all <laughs> about this woman who lost her husband and then her key to getting over it was just to get married again. Right. I still very much do not like it, by yeah. the way. Uh, that very much bothered me. Mm-hmm. Um I felt that that was not a healthy way of dealing with this grief. And at that point, I'd had so many people pushing men your pushing, way, <laughs> pushing the idea. I'd even had a gentleman at our new church that was very aggressively pursuing me, regardless of my repeated no's and telling him I wasn't interested. And it just was nowhere in my radar. And so I was just not happy with that book. I do remember that conversation. I was thinking this, this person, how is that going to change anything? And, um, I, you know, it was right about then that I started seriously thinking about what 
needed to be done to get my life where it was right, where I wasn't going to be miserable, where God could use me for my babies and use me for other people. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. So, you know, through this process of feeling distant from the Lord and being angry with the Lord and, you know, like, because you went through the unmanageable, you know, um, you know, looking back, you know, what has God communicated to you about his heart towards you in that time? Oh my goodness. Well, um, anyone that's a parent, just like you to picture your child doing something that, (laughs) you know, they shouldn't, but they've got to learn that lesson. You're going to stand there and you're going to love them and you're going to hope that they make that right choice soon, but you're not going to go and do it for them because there's some things you just have to learn. I felt so alone that whole time. Even the people that were there for me, there was this anger and this bitterness because they still had what I didn't have. I actually got completely off of Facebook because I was letting comparison steal what little bit of joy I had with my children. And um, looking back now, I can just see how God was just sitting there waiting for me to turn to him, letting me have my, my temper tantrum, letting me go through this so I could grow. But that the whole time he was there. It's so easy when you're in the middle. You're just stuck down in the darkness and the depression and the sadness. And it's so easy that you just get tunnel vision and that's all you can see. And looking back now, it blows me away to see how God was working. That my father that loved me so much was working on my new life when I was still mourning my old one. Oh, man. So let's talk about that. The new life. (laughs) Yes. The amazing new life that you never even knew you wanted. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So what is your husband's name? Scott. Scott. Yeah. So kind of tell me, because like, from my perspective here, I have this conversation with her. She's content being single, all this. But all of a sudden, next time around <laughs> for her haircut, she starts kind of talking to me about this guy. She's like, so there's this guy that's been fixing stuff at the church or at my house. And, you know, um, was it Heather that set you up? Yes, yeah. it was. She's so like, Heather thinks he's a good guy and I trust Heather. And <laughs> yeah. Um, um, yes. So I found out later her and Jason were matchmaking. I didn't know it at the time, which is good because I would have balked up at that. Um, my pretty new house had a shower that started leaking into my downstairs kitchen I had multiple people come out to fix it, and people were great at taking the money, but not really fixing the issue. That didn't help with me feeling helpless. I'd gotten to a much better place, though. I was actually emotionally participating at church. I was seeking God. I'd went to a third-day concert, and I was doing one of their devotionals. It was really inspiring me to really connect with God again. Um, I wasn't in an amazing place, but God was working me there. I was, I was healing and it was, it was good. It was good. And like you said, we'd been talking and I was ready to be single, but not in a bitter, angry way. I was like, this is okay. This is good. I've got God. I've got my kids. We're going to make it work somehow. Still was stressful. It was still hard, but I, I had found a new joy. Um, so Miss Matchmakey Heather, <laughs> if you're listening to this, Heather, we're just, we love you. And... <laughs> yes. <laughs> she tells me about this guy at church that could come fix this. 
I'd had some issues with some of the handymen trying to be flirty with me. And I was just gun shy about that. And um, we had actually talked with this gentleman at church. My group, my ladies group had went to um, a youth a youth event. And Heather said, hold on just a minute. I need to go talk to this guy over here. This is Scott. And so we were all standing there talking and nothing, nothing serious, nothing more than just surface talk. But that was the first time I remember talking with him. And and so she mentioned this guy at church. He's like, she's, it's Scott. You remember we talked with him for a little while. He could come help you. Well, I was so busy with everything and anything and six kids. So I didn't text him or anything right away. And um, I was going to church one day and Richard and Xavier were both fussing. And I'm trying to hold two babies and get into church and Scott comes jogging over and says, can I help you? And um, he went to take Xavier. He's older and bigger, and Xavier was not having it. So I said, yeah, if you don't mind, and deposited baby Richard in his hands. And uh, he walked us to the kids' Sunday school class, and I said, thank you, and walked away, which I found out later made him feel like <laughs> very awkward that didn't stay and talk or something. Um, so I thought, well, hey, he seems like a nice guy. Um, I've had this kind of people meter growing up the way I did, and I just felt like he was a good guy. And I talked with Heather some more. And like you said, he got the Heather seal of approval. So I texted him and said, hey, I'm so sorry. I haven't got back with you. Can you come look at my shower for me? And um, so he started coming over and the shower issue spread out and took up a lot of time. I won't get into technical details, but we started spending a lot of time together. Um, and I was just so blessed because my children were just healing so much with him just coming around and investing in them. The girls would sit on his lap and do funny faces on the phone with him and the boys would talk about their games and just seeing this man pouring into my kids just made me so happy and I still was no in no way looking for a relationship with him or even thinking about it I just thought this person is investing in my children um my kids had said that they wanted to pray that we would find a friend for mom I told them that um, it was really hard for me doing this on my own. And they said they wanted to pray that a friend would come to care and love for our family. We started praying for that. And once again, I'm thinking like a girl or, you know, someone that would just be like my BFF and come and just invest in our family and be a helper with me. And, you know, right about that time, um, Heather says she remembers that I started talking about how I needed to find a pool boy and just joking with her in ways that I wouldn't have felt comfortable with before. And she said she could see that change that I was healing and getting to a place where I could see that I could live on my own and I knew that I could live on my own, but that I didn't want to. And that was the realization that I needed was that I could do this. I could live this way. God would help me. God would provide, but that I didn't want to be alone. And so um, we'd been praying and Scott comes waltzing in with his toolbox and fixing things all over around my house and taking the kids and I to lunch. And they're just lighting up around him. Um, once again, my oldest he understood Jean's death in a way the other kids didn't. And it was very hard for him also. He tried so hard to be the man of the house. It was awful to see him put on this adult persona and kind of lose a little bit of his, his childhood. And once Scott started coming around, he started acting more like a kid again. And he'd say, so Scott, what are your plans tonight? <laughs> it was so adorable. And Scott would say, well, I guess I can hang out with you guys. And it was just wonderful. It was, 
it was so beautiful to see that God had brought this and the healing that was coming from it. Um, and, and still, once again, I had no concept of what this relationship would be in the future. I just saw it as, as a friend, someone to come around and listen to me talk and help with the kids. And, and that was kind of where I was at. So you like each other? Start, start feeling or are you just still like, nope, this is not happening. You know, uh, at that at point, at first I was like with the thanks for carrying my baby by, I was still kind of oblivious to anything. Um, I actually felt a little guilty that I found him attractive, which feel like you're cheating on your spouse. Yes, it was, it was hard um, at first, but I was in such a good place emotionally in healing compared to where I had been, that I was able to process it better than if it had happened any earlier. So I guess that would be my little drop for don't rush the things God has for you, because if you're not ready for them, they can't happen the way he has them for you. So, um, yes. So you, he starts fixing your house and finding excuses to come over, I'm sure. Yes. Um, so <laughs> did he like you first? Did you, he like, you like him first? You know, I want to say he probably noticed me first. Mm-hmm. He's even mentioned that people were like pushing that at him at church. Hey, did you see that new girl? You know, and he's like, yeah, the new girl was six kids. <laughs> He was going through a rough time with his daughter, um, and he was very heartbroken and didn't want to deal with six more little people that would break his heart again was where he was at. He's like, she's attractive, but I know I just can't do that. Um, And then once we had started spending time together and I had got through my guilt and realized, you know, this was that moment Jean had told me about this could be that moment, I should say. Um, and Scott shared with me that he wanted to be very careful because he knew that there were there were babies involved, you know, in their hearts and that they'd been through so much. And um, we were very, both of us, very aware of that. And um, Scott wound up buying me a spa day package. Dang. He said he was going to watch the kids and got someone to help him watch them, a young girl from our church, and sent me off for a spa day and then asked me if I would go out with him. And I remember having this moment where I felt like a little teenager. I was, is this a date? Do I want it to be a date? Like, God, is this... Are we doing this? Right. Is this, what, is this what this <laughs> is? Or am I looking at it too much? Is he just being friendly? Um, in denial again. Exactly. <laughs> um, I had, We just talked all the time. It was so wonderful. It was such a, such a wonderful thing for me after all that time alone to have someone interested in what I had to say and that was listening and, and praying for me and sending me worship songs that he thought would help me through the day. And it was just so uplifting. And um, we had this just magical first date. Um, I'm not a very trusting person um, because of my childhood. And just right from the start, I just, something just was wonderful about him to me. I trusted him. I trusted him with my kids, which is just unheard of. And we went on this date and didn't eat any of our food because we were talking the whole time. And then he took me to a ballet told him I wanted to be a ballerina when I grew up. And um, that Which, had by the way, been, she could have because oh, she's got you. the body for oh, it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I had shared all these stories from my childhood with him. And just to know that he listened wasn't just some, you know, smoothie guy trying to get in and get what he wanted and get out. He was invested in me and invested in my kids. First of all, that, that touched me and that helped me to feel that maybe this was it. Caden had actually mentioned 
embarrassing for me in front of Scott. <gasps> Mommy, maybe Scott's the friend we've been praying for. And um, he was. I didn't know it then, but he was. Um, I continued to try to just get closer to God and to heal and find my place and spent time with Scott and started falling in love with him and falling in love with the father figure he already was with my children. And it was just, uh, just supernatural how they all took to him. And, um, we talked about it and decided that we felt this was God and started talking marriage. And that was hard too. All these people that had been pushing me and pushing me and pushing me to find someone and telling me that God had someone for me suddenly weren't happy that I hadn't waited long enough. So I started going through this whole new, um, this whole new season of, of people, family and friends and in-laws and just judging that I shouldn't have been ready yet. It had only been a, a little over a year. I, I shouldn't be at that point yet. And that, that was hard also. But at that point, God had just given me this confidence. And um, I was kind of able to just shake it off. After being happy and having my world turned upside down, I wasn't going to chance losing happiness again. Something that God had just wrapped up and brought to me because of other people's opinions. You know, he had given me hope that I would have a beautiful future, something that had been so uncertain for so long. And uh, Scott likes to shock everybody and tell them that our first date was the ballet, second date was wedding <laughs> engagement ring, and our third date was wedding rings. And that's kind of how it happened. Obviously, there was lots of time spent together with the kids in between that. But it's just one of those things that God just gives you that assurance when it's, when it's his will, when it's what he has for you. He makes that happen. Um, we found out later that the pastor's wife at our church, when I walked in, looked at our pastor and said, that girl's going to marry Scott. So glad I didn't hear that. Right. I'm very bullheaded. <laughs> I would have went the opposite direction, but it just, there were so many confirmations of God's just grace and his love for me. And looking back, I realize if any of that had happened before, I, it would have passed me by because I wasn't ready. I was angry still. I was bitter. I was still trying to get my whys answered. And I had to heal. And my relationship with God had to reach that level that it really never had before I could have my new life. And um, I was able to see that in a way I hadn't when I was going through it. So <clears throat> I just want to do like a, a quick few seconds just talking about just, you had mentioned something to me about, you know, honoring Jean in your new marriage. Yes. You know, um, and I remember you had said that Scott was very conscious of that. In yes. a good way. Yes, you know, he was. In an honorable way. Um, so kind of just briefly, you know, talk to me, like, what did you guys do? What did he do to kind of honor Jean and that past, you know, marriage and even just current marriage, if that's how you see it? You know, um, like, how did that um, He was always very open with the kids to talk about their daddy. They loved to do that. They still do. And he still is right there to listen that was so important to me. No um, competition. No, no. He actually, after our first date, he asked if we could pray. And he told me that he knows that I will always love Jean. And that's how it's supposed to be. And that he's never going to compete with that. And that he just wants to be my person that I go to when I'm feeling rough or missing him. 
And I think that kind of just stole my heart right there. And then he prayed for me. Having him take that spiritual lead, having him tell me that he knew that love was there and always would be and didn't see that as some sort of threat just helped me know that this was the person God had for me. Um, And even now, (laughs) there's been a few days that are rough, birthdays and anniversaries, and I can get a little grumpy. And he's just understanding, just holds my hand and tells me he knows it's going to be a bad day, but he wants to make it better, and he prays with me, and he helps me through it. Um, Just every day, it's just... um, Amazing to me to see if you trust God, if you keep that hope, even if it's the tiniest little bit, that God has something beautiful for you. Just don't give up hoping for it if it doesn't happen in your time or the way you want it to. And just to be open. I was so against the thought of ever moving on and having another relationship. God had that for me. You know, don't uh, don't go down with a sinking ship just to be a person of your word or because other people are going to bring up, oh, she said she was never going to get married again or she must not have loved her husband very much. She's getting remarried. Hasn't been long enough. I've heard all of it. Don't let that bother you. Don't let that steal what God has for you. Mm. Well, so amazing news with all of this. You've been married for how long now? Uh, We have been married for almost, it'll be two years in April. Oh, man, time flies. Um, And I remember just looking so excited for you. I don't, I'm just, I just, I'm so amazed. and you now have together your first bio together in this marriage. Yes. Um, and her, what's her name? Her name is Thea. And How old is she now? She's three months, and she's such a blessing. Um, all of the kiddos just adore her. Um, and she's Scott's first biological child, so he's getting thrown into the baby, <laughs> newborn thing, no sleep, diapers. Thankfully, <laughs> you're an expert. Oh, thank so. you. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you, you, you'd have to be by this point. So I'm, she is my superhero. Definitely. Um, so what's next? Well, um, Scott and I both have a heart for children in the foster system. Um, our oldest daughter, uh, Destiny, was his foster daughter. Um, actually, he was finally able to adopt her when he adopted um, my six kiddos. They are all now brown Martins. So wow. we are a family of Martins all together, and they still have their daddy Jean's last name. That's special. Um, it was a beautiful day. Um, and so we are looking forward to in some way, um, just ministering to all of the kids out there that don't have someone to love them, that don't feel they have worth, that don't know that there's a father in heaven that has been with them through all of their horrible lives, the good times and the bad times, and that through those horrible things that they've been through, that he was there and that he loved them and that he has a beautiful plan and a beautiful future for them also. Amen. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, so um, if someone wants to contact you, how can they contact you for encouragement or for advice or any of that? How can they get a hold of you? Um, well, anyone is more than welcome to email me. Okay. Um, at Buffy, B-U-F-F-Y, lovesjesus at yahoo.com. Um, I also have a Facebook. It is private because of all of the pictures of my sweet littles, but you're more than welcome to message me, and I would definitely be more than willing to answer that and find other ways once we've established contact to uh, talk and encourage or pray with you or anything. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show and just 
for being vulnerable with us and just showing us just now how to walk this out. It's different for every person. Yes, um, that's, I think that's the key. Mm-hmm. Don't get caught up in other people. Yes. Be so aware that you're you're an individual and God made you uniquely and yes. that you're going to handle your situation in a unique manner. That's right. Absolutely. And I, you know, just, of course, a disclaimer, you know, God has a different method for every person because we all have different areas that we need healing. Yes. And so... This is meant to inspire and to give hope and to build faith, but not necessarily to be a rubric. Exactly. Um, no, no, no. Yeah. I'm a completely different person. That was one of the struggles that I had when you are a widow. People want to put you in this box. Mm-hmm. And everyone is so different. God has different things for us, and we're going to deal with things differently. And it's just so important just to remember that it's okay to deal with it the way you deal with it, that that's okay, that you don't have to be me or that other person. Um, And and just to remember that you don't have to, you don't have to be this perfectly amazing Christian and just act like you're not going through something. And I think that was one of my biggest struggles, going to church and hearing people say, so-and-so lost their wife, but they're doing great because they've got God. You can feel those things. You can be human. God's aware of how you're feeling, and he knows what you're going through. Just don't live there. Right. That's so good. Thank you for joining us on this week's episode of Let's Walk It Out. As I said, her story does end with a God ending, which is typically happy. It's amazing to see God working in the lives of everyday people and being faithful. If you're going through something right now and it seems absolutely hopeless, I really encourage you to just look to the Lord in this time and watch to see what He's doing in the life around you. He is with you right now, just as He was with Buffy. And He will turn everything that you are going through right now for your good. Have a blessed day. Thank you for joining us.